Hello and welcome to The Bulletin with UBS on Monocle Radio. Each week the sharpest minds and freshest thinkers in finance take you beyond the numbers and hype right to the heart of the big issues of the day. This week on the programme we're asking, after a strong rebound in 2023, what lies ahead for crypto assets in 2024? We're hearing from two of the authors of a fresh report from the UBS Global Wealth Management CIO, who are here to tell us about that year of recovery that saw top coins up by high double to triple digit percentages. They'll tell us why for trading oriented investors who believe they can time crypto assets, the new year may bring further opportunities. And they'll unpack their house view on the structural case for the industry, explaining why they remain unconvinced for now by disruptive real-world use cases. Let's kick things off with Michael Bolliger. Michael sits in the Chief Investment Office of UBS Global Wealth Management, where he looks after emerging markets, but also crypto assets. Michael, welcome back to the show. We're going to be talking to your colleague, Antoinette Zeidweg, in a moment to really deep dive into the piece. But uh, Michael, I guess that's the thing. There's always so much commentary, speculation, isn't there? There's always a headline around crypto as we go into 2024, no different. Tell me how important it is to try and retain one's objectivity, actually, and not get caught up in the headlines, in all the white noise, and be objective, be analytical, and rely on all of the clever stuff and and smart research you and your colleagues do. I guess that's almost more important with crypto than with, with other areas, isn't it? Well, I tend to think it's important everywhere, but that's maybe just me. But you you raise a very good point. Lots of noise, lots of headlines. More recently, I'd say on average, some positive, good headlines. I think the ETF approvals by the SEC is a, is a major step for the industry. But then, you know, what I also keep reminding people about is a very simple thing to do. Everyone can do that for themselves. Just pause for a minute you know, reflect for your life and think very carefully about what would change if tomorrow, for whatever reason, crypto stops to exist. What would that really mean for your life? And then think about something else, say artificial intelligence, and do the same exercise. And I think that's really, really useful to somehow assess ultimately, fundamentally, how important this industry is for you, for yourself, and potentially also for your portfolio. Yeah, that's a super interesting insight. And with that sort of context, Michael, which I think is critical, let's talk a bit more about what's ahead for crypto then, uh, for crypto assets in in 24. And does it matter or is it more important to sort of differentiate between your sort of lay investor and very sort of trading oriented investors? Is that an important distinction to make? Absolutely. We think that's that's really, really important. So again, looking back at you know the SEC's approval of the ETFs, uh, this will make it a lot easier for people, both institutional and private investor, to add at this time Bitcoin exposure, maybe later some other cryptocurrencies as well, I don't know, uh, to their portfolio. And you know, I, I think here and there people will try to take advantage of this. But again, that said, you know, coming back to the previous questions you raised, like how important is that fundamentally? What is out there in terms of real world use cases, say for Bitcoin? It's, it's for us really, really hard to point to something that we believe is of sort of high relevance and is really here to stay. I mean, remember, Bitcoin was originally designed as a, as a payment tool, an alternative payment tool to the established providers. And I think it's fair to say that so far this hasn't really worked. So, you know, in our point of view, what we believe people will do is to use this as a way to speculate. And obviously, that 
critically hinges on your ability to time the market. We, we all probably know that crypto are notoriously volatile. For someone who feels they can time that market, maybe, you know, that's a great way to deploy some money. For those who prefer more sort of a buy and hold medium to longer term investment approach, I think given the lack of a fundamental use case, that's probably more difficult. Well, yeah, and we'll get into some more specificity a bit later with, with, with Antoinette, Michael, but perhaps just a final point. And you mentioned that word fundamental. In terms of the fundamental outlook, as you and your colleagues see it, I guess to a degree, you guys are still unconvinced about you know the structural case maybe for, for the whole industry. Is it important, therefore, to talk to people about you know, looking at who's leading from the disruptive power of this whole space, rather than necessarily trying to think about how to kind of pile in and and increase exposure to crypto specifically? I think that disruptors is a theme that we've been highlighting to our investors for a long, long time. Something we, we really believe in. And again, I mentioned artificial intelligence briefly, the broader tech space and, and all the opportunities that we see shaping up in this area. You know, we're thinking about the, the broader implication from demographical trends, for example, what that means for, you know, the, the medical industry, the pharmaceutical industry. There's some really important longer term trends that are happening. So these can be really important things to consider. But also coming back to crypto, I mean, we now focus a bit on Bitcoin and, and the use cases there. But at the same time, it's worth pointing to the fact that different coins, different tokens aim to achieve different things. And, you know, when I said Bitcoin so far hasn't really convinced people to be used as a, as a, as a means of payment, potentially there are other coins that will be somewhat more successful in, in other areas of, 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 of use. You know, I'm thinking about coins and tokens that you use to digitalize assets broadly, more broadly speaking to do all sorts of sort of decentralized solutions. There is interesting use cases there, but we keep on reminding as well in our reports that not all these use cases necessarily means that the value of these coins will have to rise. So that's a very, very important thing to remember. Sage insights as ever from Michael Bolliger. Well, let's turn next to Antoinette Seidrich, alternative investment strategist in the UBS CIO, where she covers private markets. Antoinette, great to welcome you back to the show once again this week. Before we get stuck into more of the detail of the report, and I think another piece of background, before we dip into what 24 has in store, let's put 2023 in some context, of course, because I guess if we're talking about crypto assets, 2022, pretty dismal, wasn't it? Uh, And 2023 was really a year of recovery. We saw some uh, pretty significant uh, percentage increases for for top coins. I guess it's important to remind our listeners of that, first of all. Yeah, exactly. I think that is quite interesting to see because, as I mentioned, during 2022, especially the later part of the year, when we've seen some problems uh, in the crypto world and some significant crashes. And since then, or since the beginning of 2023, exactly, if we look at some of those major coins, for example, Bitcoin, we've seen a rise over over 2023 of about 156%. And looking at other large coins like Ether or Cardano and Solana, we've also seen very stark interest, particularly in the later part of the year. And if we pull it over for the entire year, we'd be looking at increases of 90% for Ether, 141% for Cardano, and 918% even for Solana, which saw a really, really large spike after September, October uh, 2023. 
So we've definitely seen a lot more interest back in these coins over the last year and the last months. And this has not been so unsurprising. So if we look at the why of things, on one side, we've seen financial markets that are that are a bit more positive in their outlook of, of 2024, expecting uh, rate cuts ahead in the, in, in the year. And then looking at this macroeconomic backdrop, the general support for this more risky type of assets has been a little bit more supportive. So even if we don't see this particularly as a base case. There seems to be somewhat of an expectation of a return to a lower rate environment. And that also kind of aligns with this appetite for crypto assets that in the past have benefited from a lower rate environment. And then also secondly, and this I think is the most relevant um, point, and also we've, we've seen that actually this past week. So last year, there have been a few cases where, where the SEC lost some of their, their cases around uh, their objections against crypto or, or, or coin-based uh, structures. So uh, they lost a the case against uh, Grayscale. And there were a lot of rumors already throughout the year whether or not the SEC would then kind of approve Bitcoin ETFs or crypto ETFs as early even as of, as of this year. And what we've seen this week is indeed that they have approved 11 ETFs. So this kind of expectation that we've seen over yeah, the last three, four months of last year have also really contributed to this growth as well. And that's also indeed what we've seen come to, to fruition this week. Yeah, it's super interesting. And I guess if we look at things which are set to shape 24. As you said, that macro backdrop is clearly one. The Bitcoin ETF development, certainly another. Talk about another potential uh, influence on the space, though, Antoinette. What about the halving? And you might have to double back and remind us what happens with Bitcoin halving. It's, you know, where the, I guess the, the reward for mining the coins d- diminishes. We're expected to see another halving in April. Does that change the, the, the landscape? I know it's not always a strict correlation, is there, between halving and what happens next? So let's talk about this this halving, and that's indeed an interesting point to to keep in mind. So Bitcoin over over its history has already had three halvings, and the next one is set to be coming up in April this year. And a halving event is an event where uh, the reward for for mining Bitcoin transactions is kind of cut in half. And last time this happened, which was in 2020, that miners were rewarded with about 6.25 bitcoins for successfully adding a block to this network. So if we then look at April, at what's coming ahead, this reward will actually fall to 3.125 bitcoins. So reducing the bitcoin supply. And if we then again look at the last halving cycle, so back at 2020, this kind of was followed with that rally, with that extreme rally that we have seen that went all the way up to, to a peak of 68,000 US dollar per Bitcoin in September 2021. However, if indeed you also uh, alluded to this already, if we actually look at, at the systemic performance, then these events are, are actually not not that relevant when, looking, when we're looking at the, the relative performance of the Bitcoin. 
And it's intriguing, isn't it? I know the, the, the overall takeaway, and Michael touched upon this earlier, Antoinette, is that, that in terms of fundamentals, the outlook from, from you and your colleagues hasn't changed that significantly. And it's probably expedient for investors, particularly those with, a, with an eye on the longer term, to pick leaders from the broader disruption rather than sort of trying to, 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 to pile in specifically on specific crypto assets. And that's for a whole host of reasons, one of which that I always think is interesting to touch upon is these these other risks, uh, the other risk profiles, you know, there are all kinds of legal and regulatory considerations, as well as those that are technological, reputational in character. There still isn't there the spectre of certain illicit activities. There's there's lots of other complicating things that still make it a bit tricky to be confident about meaningful real world use cases here. So if we are then looking at crypto assets and, and what we what we find interesting, I would first consider to have a look at what we're advising longer term investors to do. And there also we would say to pick leaders from disruption with uh, the largest potential equity market gains likely to come from companies that are able to deliver and use new technology for growth, for gaining market share or for cutting costs. And opportunities could then well be in, in those companies that are able to apply and monetize artificial intelligence across software, internet and semiconductor sectors. But also we would see opportunities in, in the long term drive towards net zero and also in healthcare. Beyond these sectors, I think if we would then look at the fundamentals also of, of crypto assets and of digital assets, our view, even in light of current events, has not changed that much. We, we still see difficulties and we're still not convinced that, that these crypto assets would have meaningful and, and disruptive real world use cases. And looking at distributed ledgers as a technology, there may well be the possibility for disruptive innovations. However, many of these solutions are currently being implemented using private and not public blockchain technology. And even where public blockchains are being used, rising prices of native coins may also ultimately undermine the success of the businesses through higher operating costs and increased competition through other blockchain solutions. On the other hand, uh, crypto assets could also expose investors to legal, regulatory, technological and and reputational market risks. This is also definitely uh, something to keep in mind. And also finally, uh, 2023 will likely enter the history books as the the warmest year on record. Here, we also still consider that the, the proof of work algorithm around Bitcoin mining and specifically here talking about energy uses, this could also increase when there are uh, rising prices. And we're here, we've also seen already, of course, these headlines around wasteful energy consumption. And this might also uh, resurface and create and also further criticism on the topic. And so accordingly, we still don't see crypto assets as a strategic investment, also because of the speculative nature and and the significant price swings that we are still observing. And long-term investors, however, we would advise advise them to to focus on leaders from the the disruptions that I I mentioned before, 
but also to look at public and private opportunity, investment opportunities. Well, yes, Antoinette, we talk to you often in this forum about private markets. Maybe tell us a bit about how you see the PM opportunity in 2024 in the crypto space. Exactly. So if, if we look at private markets, I think also here we should take a little bit more a more a more context and also look back also what has happened over the, over the past one, two years. Also quite important is that Together with this collapse of, of the coin space in 2022, there were quite some major events back then, like the, the Terra Luna collapse and also the FTX in, in later in 2022. This has brought a, quite a lot more caution to the area, particularly on the venture capital side. And we've seen a bit of a shift away and a more tepid interest in blockchain projects in general, and particularly those that were perceived to have a bit of limited economic viability. So where we've instead seen more focus on, still a bit on the, on this decentralized finance side or DeFi side. And then what you would have to think of is, is things uh, particularly related to blockchain infrastructure or, or networks, but also things that can be implemented or that have use cases quite easily. And what is interesting here is also particular interest that has been coming from the financial sector and then indeed also what we've been seeing there this week also in uh, in light of the 11 approved ETFs. So some of these examples that really have blockchain infrastructure and use case applicability, think there of uh, custodial service, tokenization and payments and blockchain infrastructure. What do those actually mean or what would you have to think of? So custodial services, we would be looking at blockchain technology that can be developed internally by financial institutions, for example, but also partner with uh, with blockchain custodial service partners to implement this internally. Tokenization as well, we've seen also quite some examples of where, where those financial institutions either have developed um, tokenization platforms and are converting rights uh, to uh, an asset into digital tokens on a blockchain. And again, here, there's, there's quite some that seek out partnerships with tokenization platforms that already have some expertise and that can find then, yeah, then, then ways to build it up with such institutions. And then also the last one, payments and, and infrastructure. Here you would look at the incorporation or technology incorporation for payment services, but which can also help then again with streamlining operations or, or finding strategic, uh, strategic alignments. So these are all areas that we, we've seen still so quite some interest in. Um, so that again, this would really within, fall within the bracket of, uh, of our blockchain infrastructure development. Other areas like Web3 or, or more emerging areas have been quite calm for now. Interest there, of course, might pick up again. Also, if, if further areas in the venture space improve, against the broader macro backdrop, but also uh, what we perhaps may see now after this SEC approval, because I think that was one also of the, the important points here. This rising interest could, of course, be a sign that we would see some of the thawing right now in the crypto winter that we've seen over the past years. But as mentioned, also, there are quite some questions around transparency and regulation that do remain open. And while the SEC acceptance may be helpful, others do still remain. Antoinette Seidwerk. And that brings us to the end of this edition of The Bulletin with UBS, setting the agenda in the fast-moving world of finance each week here on Monocle Radio. 
You can follow the programme at monocle.com or, of course, wherever you get your podcasts. And you can discover more and find out how UBS can help you at UBS.com. This is The Bulletin with UBS on Monocle Radio. I'm Tom Edwards. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.